listening to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, episode 99, Minions. It is what it is. Just go with it. the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, Don Bluth, and everything in between. We're your hosts, Morgan Stradling, Chelsea Robson, and Mason Smith. Say hello, my fellow minions. <laughs> hey, we do. I don't know how to do a minion. <laughs> Papagena. <laughs> I don't know how to do Oh, we should have Minions Day where we all speak in minionese. That's what we're going to do. This entire episode is now a foreign film. Yep. Excellent. <laughs> so for those of you who are new to the Animation Addicts podcast, welcome. This is a show where fellow animation fans like yourself to come together and we talk about what we love, which is animation. Today, we are going to talk about the newly released animated film, Minions by Illumination Entertainment, which is actually a third film in this sort of Despicable Me series. It is a prequel to Despicable Me. It came out mm-hmm. just barely last week and we are ready to go and review it. Mason actually just saw it this this morning so he is fresh, fresh 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 out of the cinema arc. in fact i got a yellow ticket stub the first time i ever got one so i was like mm, it's a good day everything is coming together yeah that's right i don't uh, i don't watch advanced screenings for uh films just because college station is like a wasteland as far as um like advanced screenings for films <laughs> so i saw it with the common people as I did, and, and I had a little deja vu from the day that um, Shannon and I watched Monsters University because they were, um, I was the only adult who was there alone. I'm sure it looked really creepy. <laughs> <laughs> Insert uh, screaming children sound effects here because that's pretty much all the commentary that I got during the film. And so, <laughs> by the way, this episode is practically brought to you by our wonderful Roto Nation patrons because... Um, a couple weeks ago, several weeks ago, we reached our patronage milestone to where uh, we are now able to review these films straight out of the theater. And so um, you can expect good dinosaur podcasts uh, in uh, later this year and um, all other of the major releases for animated films. Normally, uh, in the past, we had only done like one or two per year. And so we shout out and a big thank you to our Rotoscopers patrons. And if you want to join the awesome Roto Nation, then go to rotoscopers.com slash Patreon or rotoscopers.com slash Patreon. And you can learn more about being a, a patron of the podcast and the site and the YouTube. It, it supports all of that. Yeah, actually, we just hit our $250 milestone, which is your... Ah, thunder Bring tube. on that thunder tube, which means that we are now going to be live broadcasting the show. Uh, technically, oh, we should right. be live broadcasting this one, but we are still having a few technical difficulties. So we're getting that worked out, and hopefully either the next show or the show after that will have everything ready for you guys. So that way, every show here on out will be live. We normally record Monday nights, so stay tuned to the website and the podcast because we will be letting you know the typical time to check in, where to go, so you can check out the live stream and chat along with us and be involved in the live discussion. It's going to be really exciting, and just thank you for bearing with us as we're figuring out a last few little uh, details. Yeah, absolutely. This is the end of an era. And what better way to round out like our first 99 episodes, y'all? Um, and uh, I'm excited to move on to the live format. Of course, you can always download the audio um, and the and the stream. You know, you can watch it later if you miss it. Uh, but what do you 
It'd be cool to like be part of it live. I mean, you can chat with us, you know, um, if you do a voicemail, we'll, we'll, we'll listen to it live and you can see our reactions, not just hear our reactions, but see our, our amazing, pretty, beautiful faces. He's just talking about himself. Well, yeah, I got to clear up the acne, but man, <laughs> you'd think it would go away after all this time, but oof, pizza topping right here. And on that note, let's talk about something that's also funny. Humor in animated films. <laughs> that that was funny for another reason. <laughs> I hope you understood I was not making fun of your pizza topping acne, but it just it was too good I couldn't pass up. <laughs> which does which does not exist, by the way. I'm beautiful in every way. <laughs> We might as well. I might as well just open this can now. Uh, Minions should not and cannot be compared to Inside Out, which is uh, you know the latest animated film theatrical release before it. And the humor has a lot to do with it. Yeah, absolutely. And I I totally agree. I don't think we should spend this majority of this discussion saying, oh, Inside Out, this, Inside Out, that. I mean, these are two separate films that just happen to be released within two weeks of each other. Um, and so let's just treat them as such. We didn't talk about Minions in our Inside Out discussion. So let's end oh, the I Inside Out. once, yeah. Uh, once. Okay, so here's <laughs> our one plug for Inside Out. If you haven't seen it, go see it. It's awesome. And back to Minions. Well, yeah, what's so- interesting is how you go into these movies and like we've kind of talked about this forever. You know, since the beginning, the dawn of the podcast, we've kind of gone into these the, this type of subject, but we've never had a full-out Nerdy Couch discussion on why so funny and why aren't there as many serious films in animation? Hmm. That's interesting. Which top? Which question should we tackle first? All right, real quickly, we'll get it out of the way. Why? Why aren't there many serious animated films? And I think part of it, not all of it, has to do with the stigma that we always talk about about um, the perception, the incorrect perception that animation is a kids uh, genre or a kids uh, style, or that animation is for kids. I, I, I would hope that we all disagree with, with that. But uh, there's also the side of that that maybe even ho- maybe Hollywood executives don't think that a serious animated film will bring in the cash. I don't know. Yeah, I can't remember. I, I can't remember the last theater, uh, the time I went to a theater and saw a not funny or a serious animated film. A lot of times they're foreign films. Recent, you know, of, of recent memory. I think of per. Persephilis is an animated film that's set and grounded in reality, tells about a girl's story growing up, um, you know, in, in basically the old Western world and very serious. There's not a lot of funny moments. I would not call that a funny or humorous film. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of the reason that animation has this stigma is because of just the way that it's evolved over the decades. I think um, if you look at Walt Disney's films, Pinocchio or Snow White, 
Uh, a lot of those early films from the 40s, I mean, they were they had funny moments, but they weren't necessarily geared towards children. Now they are. Nowadays, a lot of children watch those films. But back then, it was an adult audience. And I think with mm. the 50s and 60s, with television animation and Saturday morning cartoons, that really skewed the medium to, okay, children are going to watch cartoons while adults watch live action things. And just nowadays, we see that that common thought has prevailed where we see a lot of television shows and cartoons and uh, things on car- you know cartoon network for heaven's sake where it is geared for children for the most part adult swim aside uh, uh, and a lot of the films reflect that as well well i agree with your point that uh, it's interesting that animated films like was for adults and it has evolved to become like seen as a as a kid-friendly medium I suppose. And it's not like Minions helps that at all. Um, this one is clearly, uh, clearly has a certain type of humor in it that, uh, in my opinion, engages more of the younger audiences. And, uh, you know, within that broad style of, uh, you know, the rating board called it, uh, was it rude humor or crude humor? What's the difference between rude and crude humor? <laughs> is there a difference? That's a rude cool. is offensive to certain people and crude is oil mm, offensive yeah. in a... <laughs> Potty humor slash sexual way, perhaps? I think crude is more sexual. Yeah. Do you think crude is worse than rude? Yes. Yeah. In a way. All right. Rated PG for action and rude humor. All right. So I get the rude humor part. And it's it's a fine line. This movie isn't necessarily, um, you know, we use the term fart jokes. I think fart jokes are contained inside rude humor, but I think there's a little bit more to it. You know, if we were to analyze the humor, the, the humor of uh, Minions, you know, obviously you have your slapstick. Oh, this is and- straight up Three Stooges. Like, that's all I got from this. <laughs> bonk, bonk, and more bonk. Yeah. Yeah. All, you know, I have a theory that slapstick is, su- is like super effective, Pokemon reference, in the foreign market, you know? Despicable mm-hmm. Me 2, which it obviously focused more on the minions because they were like the runaway hit from the first film, um, it made 62% of its gross outside of the U.S. Yeah. You know, there's definitely a correlation between the foreign market and this type of like cartoon character, this type of cartoon mayhem. I think it's also it's the ease of translation. Mm-hmm. You know, those are one of those things that they just translate so easily. <laughs> Lowest common denominator. Right. <laughs> I mean, you think, I mean, not to put Charlie Chaplin in this, in the rude, crumor, whatever, humor way, but it's like Charlie Chaplin was the most famous actor of all time. And mm. all of those countries that didn't understand a word of English, they knew Charlie Chaplin. That's why Alpha Beta Charlie, you know, doing instead of saying ABC, they grabbed words that started that everybody knew and charlie was one of them that's how they knew c charlie is that really where they got the charlie designation in the military from that is i think the reason you know slapstick and his sort of humor and and comedy style is so effective like you're saying is also because it's very visual right and visual gags Uh, are more easy to translate to across all sorts of mediums without having yes there will be different different instances where certain um cultural things don't translate i was watching recently the uh bonus features for spirited away and there were some hand movements that they did which didn't translate to an american audience and they they really couldn't get around it but i think for the most part uh a lot of these (laughs) things like hitting someone on the head or whatnot they do there's no there's no there's no country where you where pete where the citizens um, of that country see someone fall flat on their face and not laugh like there's no country (laughs) where it's like taboo to not to do that (laughs) 
<laughs> or they're like, I don't know what this gesture means falling on, on your face, you know? And, and so, the, yeah, so that that's a very, very good assessment, Morgan, that <laughs> things like this translate visually to um, a big audience. And I think a lot of movie making, a lot of family feature entertainment has to do with communicating to as broad an audience as possible. That and the fact that these movies are so expensive to make. They have to be able. They feel like they have to well, actually, reach to actually, that Well, actually, this level. movie was kind of an exception. Well, as well as well as we'll learn, Illumination uh, Entertainment's pretty good at that whole budget thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I do understand what you mean. Like, uh, we look at DreamWorks. Um, we look at other studios, n- not necessarily Pixar, I guess. But like, um, well, yeah. I mean, any any studio that wants to communicate to a broad audience, uh, like Chelsea said, wants to make their budget worth it. So yeah, definitely a valid point there. So um, talking about humor in this film, I was reading an article by John, or an interview by John Hamm, and he plays Herb, the husband oh, in this it, film. Isn't he great? He's, oh, so, he's so good. I wouldn't even know it was him unless I didn't even know it was him, and and um, I uh, by proxy watch Mad Men all the time because Shan is a fan. But <laughs> Me too. And so he he has this quote, and he says, "And you know, butts and farts are funny. I'm sorry, but they are, especially when you're a little kid. They're super funny. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that plays in a big auditorium full of people. And I, and you know." Seeing this film, I didn't really see this film as having a lot of potty humor, but he's oh, no, making no. I, it seem like there is so much in this film when there's not. So I maybe he really loves the, he loves the two jokes that are potty humor, but he's <laughs> overplaying how big those are. <laughs> All right. It's like a trivia on IMDb. The original working title was Minions, The Fart Fest. Unfortunate. <laughs> Um, But yeah, um, you know, I I took notes during the film and I only counted like one or two real butts in the film. And I I remember only hearing one fart. So Ah. definitely more slapstick, more rude humor. Okay, I have one final quick question. How Mm -hmm. should the community of how, how, how should the worldwide community of animation enthusiasts, animation lovers, animation addicts, if you will, Respond to films that have that animated films that contain rude humor like Minions. How do we react? Because uh, a lot laughing? of people stick their nose. <laughs> how does well? How do a lot of people stick their nose up to it? You know, I was just reading an article on Cartoon Brew talking about how maybe uh, the critics have been overly harsh on Minions, especially uh, with such close proximity to Inside Out. Yeah, you know, I think we should take it for what it is. This is Minions. We, it's not like a surprise what these Minions are all about. They're jokesters. They're hilarious. They play pranks on each other. They're funny. They giggle. And, you know, trying they to... fall on their faces a lot. Trying yeah. to elevate Minions to something that it is not. It does nothing good for, you know, the film and, and critics that criticize it and whatnot because it is what it is. And if this were a movie, you know, sort of like The Hangover or, you know, any other comedy film with a bunch of guys that... It was just as rude and crude. People wouldn't care. People would applaud it. They're like, oh, it's so brilliant and so genius. Not saying that this is brilliant or genius, but just trying to make the connection. Right. Um, I think because it's an animation, suddenly it's like, oh, you know, it kind of it takes a step down. Like, well, it has to be that way. Yeah. Did y'all think that Minions was funny? In general? I love- yes. I'm going to say yes. Yeah. I mean, there yeah, was... I, I chuckled at a few parts, definitely. There was definitely... It was... Go into expecting what it is. Don't expect anything more than it is. Don't put unrealistic expectations, just like in relationships. You shouldn't put unrealistic expectations on anybody, and you should just accept them for who they are. Interesting. <laughs> I agree. Okay, in our in our next Nerdy Couch discussion, I guess we'll have to do um, adult humor in animated films. 
Ooh, yes. I recently came across a college thesis on this, and it's very, very detailed, so it'd be interesting to talk about. Nice. On to the main event! Okay, so this is actually our very first Illumination Entertainment film that we have reviewed on the podcast, which is quite shocking. A hundred episodes in, we have not gotten around to reviewing Illumination Entertainment's films. And I'm also shocked that we have not done Despicable Me yet, that we're jumping straight to the third in the franchise. But that's okay. So I just wanted to give another Morgan lecture. I'm, I'm very well known for these. Talking a little bit about this studio, since it's our first time delving into the studio and their products. So... Illumination Entertainment, very interesting. It was founded by Chris Melandry, and he had a prolific career in animation before founding Illumination Entertainment. He actually worked for Disney. Uh, he was a producer on Cool Runnings, of all things. Uh, and then he jumped over to animation. He was the president of 20th Century Fox Animation, which he helped to usher in the acquisition of Blue Sky Studios. Uh, he worked as an executive producer on their films for a number of years, starting with Ice Age and ending with Horton Hears a Who. He then left in 2007 to form Illumination Entertainment, which I think is very impressive. Uh, at this time, the animation landscape was getting somewhat crowded. There was Disney, Pixar, DreamWorks, Blue Sky Studios definitely had a few films under their belt. A few other film uh, studios were starting to up and come around this time, but uh, it's getting crowded around this time and even more crowded nowadays. Uh, so very impressive of him to go and just start his own studio. Three years later, in 2010, they released their first animated film, which was Despicable Me. Uh, again, another impressive feat, considering a lot of animated films kind of get stuck in this pre-production cycle for a long time. Sometimes it takes four to five years for a film to finally make it from concept to actual release. So the fact that this was released, you know, within three years is impressive. I don't know how long it, it was. Despicable Me was in you know, pre-production before that. But nonetheless, I, I applaud him. Now, there is actually a misconception that Illumination Entertainment is a French studio. It is not. Uh, if you go and you look at the credits of an Illumination Entertainment film, there it's just flooded with French names. And that is because uh, when Illumination Entertainment was formed, uh, they didn't have their own animation department. Instead, they outsourced to a French visual effects company called MacGuff, and they did the animation for Despicable Me. And then after Despicable Me was released, it was such a huge success that... They acquired it in 2011, and as a result, they renamed that animation division Illumination MacGuff. So Illumination Entertainment, uh, it is an American studio, um, but the studio, the animation division, is based in France currently. Uh, they're also the one of the directors of, of Despicable Me was French, and the other co-director was American. Uh, so there's that little tidbit for you. Uh, another thing that they are known for, they are known for keeping costs down in a landscape where a lot of animated films uh, are over $100 million for their budgets. They, they use lean animation methods and other cost-saving programs to keep the budgets, you know, well below that level. Um, to date, their films have cost between $69 million and $76 million, uh, which is pretty impressive. Actually, Minions, even though it was released most recently, is not their most expensive film. 
So they have done a wonderful job at being able to keep these costs down and just tell a great story without having to go overboard. Um, and this allows them to have more profits, more margin. And I don't think they're struggling because their films do extraordinarily, extraordinarily well. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think it's amazing that they've kept their budget so low because uh, watching Minions today, I really didn't think it looked low budget. No way. You know, you can tell the difference between this and like a, a more indie uh, film that's coming out that uh, maybe doesn't have the talent or, or the technology behind it. But like the animation was pretty solid and like rendering and lighting quality was really good, too. Uh, very much an improvement over Despicable Me 1. And so my hat goes off to these guys. Absolutely. So the directors of Minions, let's go into this film. Uh, two directors, Pierre Coffin, who is French. And a uh, fun fact about him, he was actually an in-betweener on We're Back. And then Ooh. the other director is Kyle Balda. He's a CalArts grad. He is the American of the duo. Uh, fun fact about him is he worked as an animator on The Mask for ILM. Then he went on to Weta Digital and then Pixar. And he did a variety of things there. Um, and then came over to Illumination Entertainment, where he was head of layout for Despicable Me. So this came out, uh, let's see, July 10th, day after my birthday. And um, I was gonna, I was gonna ask uh, after Despicable Me too. Like, why didn't they go for just like a July 4th weekend release? That would have been perfect. I don't have my crystal ball. I'm not quite sure about that. Tell there, me, oh, management wonder. <laughs> were there any? There weren't that many films released July 4th weekend this year, were there? Yeah, I, I know there were a couple that came out on July 4th. Um, I, obviously, I didn't go see any movies on July 4th weekend because I don't know what was released. <laughs> Terminator, I guess? Um, mm -hmm. But anyway, maybe they didn't want to compete with that. I don't, I, I don't, I don't also, get it. You know, there may be some degrees of separation they wanted to have between Inside Out, which had been released a few weeks prior. Oh, uh, that is true. But we don't know. We're just speculating. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so really low budget, and it's doing... Very, very well. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, so according to Box Office Mojo, it had the highest opening for an animated 3D film of all time. It had $46.2 million on Friday, which was the biggest animated opening day ever. Wow. So just let's just give a round of applause yeah! for the Minions. And as of, so it's opening weekend, it's just barely, you know, finished up the weekend. It made $115.2 million domestically, made, which made it the second biggest animated opening of all time. <laughs> just about $6 million behind Shrek the Third, which... Shrek the what? Sh Shrek the Third, you remember <laughs> that one? Yeah, I saw it, unfortunately. So I, I'm shocked, you know, I knew this was going to do well, but I didn't think it was going to do that well. We did not know when we first mentioned it on episode 20 of the podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we were like, hmm, maybe it'll be a foreign film because of the whole French, I guess because of the whole French studio. I think. No, I think just because you can't understand. No, it's because nobody understood. <laughs> Chelsea with the surprise entrance. Hey. Way so, back in the day, we talked yes. about this. You know, going in the Wayback Machine, I pulled up our first articles about this announcement on the website, rotoscopers.com. And our first article was the announcement of the Minion sequel. Uh, this was just when we were about six months old in our infancy, so we had no comments. Ah, uh, the early days. We were toddlers. And we were. And so I'm like, okay, well, I want to see other people's opinions about this. So I went to the next most recent article, which was in August of 2012, where it was announced that Sandra Bullock would be a character. Hello. And we had one comment. Woohoo! And it's from <laughs> Matthias, and he says... Maybe if it's not boring, Ooh. meaning I, I'm assuming the question was, will you see this film? 
(laughs) (laughs) That's great. Uh, Boring it is not. (laughs) You know, one thing that I thought was the coolest thing was I realized that minions are actually immortal. Yeah, that is true. You know, there is absolutely no evidence throughout the film that they can be killed or that they die. It's true. And I was looking at it, I'm thinking back to in my, you know, obviously it makes sense. The only way to kill them is to have dip and dip hasn't been invented yet because that <laughs> came out with Richard Williams. So, <laughs> well, you know, talking about this, this is good material for a minion sequel because they apparently hold the key to immortality. The fountain of youth that everyone right. has been searching for. Wow. I mean, that's someone should steal the minions in the next movie and try to harness their immortality. I'm liking it. I'm watching the first season of Dragon Ball Z while I work out, and so I, I think Vegeta and Nappa would be all over these guys. <laughs> all chance for immortality, Nappa. But anyway, um, I love the beginning. Um, that's Joffrey Rush as the narrator, and he's Woo! great. Was. Yeah, this was the uh, basically the same dialogue that they used in some of the very first trailers for this film oh that's true uh, hold straight away which it's the same nothing really they maybe they cut out a few uh scenes that were maybe cutting it back a little bit or a little bit slow but for the most part the first three or so so minutes are what we saw in the trailers and i liked it i loved how it set it up we got to see the minions we got to see them emerge out of the you know ecosystem the primordial and minion soup Mm-hmm. If you will, mm-hmm. absolutely primordial. <laughs> but the thing is, like the the intro voiceover for me really solidified this as a kid film. I think what you're trying to say is that the exposition was very clearly spelled out so that everyone could understand what's going on. Exactly. <laughs> all right, all right. That that is a mark of a kids film, definitely. Right. Um, I love all the different quote unquote villains. I I <laughs> I really love the the title sequence where they're like evolving in the primordial soup and like they're just kind of floating in a. You know, with their phalanges over to the nearest organism that that eats the other organisms. <laughs> yes, the most evil one. Maybe like, yes, we want to be a, be with you, and they grab onto his fin and they float away. Absolutely, and then he crawls out, gets crushed by T Rex. The boss. Oh, did you also? Re- I also um, realized something that their little eye goggles—they also evolve. Like at first, they're just made out of palm leaves, and then I think they're made out of like palm. Um, stock or palm bark. Interesting. And then they're kind of like a, a steampunk looking copper for a while. And then only the three main ones have the chrome um, goggles from Despicable Me 1. Is that by supposed the end of to the represent movie. the different ages? There's the Stone Age, the Brass Age, the Iron Age. <laughs> yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess so. I, I guess they, they have their little evolutionary period. Very, very long, you know? Mm hmm. But, yeah, they get upgrades as far as their eyewear, I suppose. You know what I thought was so cute about the minions? This isn't supposed to be cute. Like, they kill their masters, basically. Because yeah, they usually cause the downfall of <laughs> the people they're serving. They are very competent. They're not very great minions or henchmen. But, you know, Dracula was, was the greatest one to me where they're just like, <laughs> you know, they're so innocent. They just want to wish him happy birthday. And, I, I love uh, how... Um, they're so, like, happy and eager. They're like, oh, we're going to give them a surprise party. You know, they're kind of like, their body language is like, they're so freaking happy to do it. They have, like, no clue that they're going to kill him by doing this. So does that make them good good henchmen? Uh, their immortality and um, the fact that they never seem to get maimed or injured um, is a good quality. Yeah, it is. They don't, uh, they don't seem so. very good at doing evil things. They're just attracted to evil, apparently. If you could catch a minion Pokemon, would you want him on your team? Um, I don't yes. know. I'd probably have to sacrifice my Smeargle, in, get, in, in which case, yes. That's, that's <laughs> a risk I'm willing to take. Expert. 
Not my my current team right now is pretty boss. But anyway, yeah, um, Napoleon, they blow him up. I didn't get that part. Is is like was the army chasing after them, or did they just get lost in the fog? But I don't know. That was funny. And then somehow they end up in the, in Superman's secret sanctum, Ooh, secret <laughs> which I sanctum. thought was awesome. <laughs> yep, chilling with That's the Yetis a- after a while. <laughs> well, and here you also realize their English, their language ah. is so messed up. But I realize it's because they are immortal. They are <laughs> the start of language, and Ooh. it's every other language that has then come off of them. Ooh, could this be like <laughs> so the master really, it's just language? Us that, I think so. I think it is the Adamic language, and that's how it goes. <laughs> oh, you should tweet us if you got that reference. But anyway, um, yeah, um, I thought it was so interesting how I was able to understand the characters during a movie where most of the dialogue is Minionese. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I know a little bit of Spanish, so a lot of the more um, Latin-based languages I could pick up on. Well, obviously that that was a probably was a huge challenge for the animators or the story artists, like getting the audience to understand um, despite the language barrier. But we also talked about how a, a certain brand of humor translates to a broader audience, and so um, I guess they already knew how to communicate to as broad an audience as possible. And and so Minionese, I guess it actually, I bet it, I bet it saved them a lot of money in that they didn't have to pay a translator or pay extra. Um, voice artists to do all of the Minions dialogue because it's Minionese. You can't translate it. Right. Well, and I think, honestly, I believe that this one will probably be the most um, be the most successful outside of the English market because it has so many other languages in like in tied into this. So you have it. I, I got Spanish, English, Russian, I heard, um, or at least a friend of mine told me it was Russian. I don't Maybe speak Russian. Not. Exactly. And then, um, I'm sure there are others. Did anybody other catch any? There was Italian, for there sure. There wasn't any Portuguese. I was re- severely disappointed. Oh, that, oh that's okay. That. The world's a better place for it. But yeah, um, a <laughs> little bit of French. Me. I'm just kidding. Chelsea, <laughs> um. you're just supposed to move on from those jokes because you'll have to edit it out. <laughs> hey, it's that Mason humor. It, it can leave you in the dust. But yeah, um, they, I, I, I thought I heard a little bit of German, maybe. I, I don't know. It just, it seemed more Latin-based than anything. I, I'm sure there's an interview that, that we I haven't watched that explain, like, the anatomy of... Oh, um, I also looked up a little bit of trivia, and it said that there's supposed to be some, like, Hebrew, maybe even Arabic. And so, like, it's all over the place. So one really cool thing is Pierre Couffin, who was the director of this movie. He's actually been the director of all of the Despicable Me films. And he has lent his voice to the Minions since the beginning, all 899 of them. And so he is like huge, 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 huge shout out to him because not only has he done it for the actual voice acting, but for the music as well. And so you, you hear all these songs of the minions singing and it's all him. Yeah. And I'm like, man, not only did you have to, you, he just spent months in the recording booth. I'm sure. And or I just, or maybe not that much time because with an other actor, if they were doing the voice, you know, he'd have to lead them and guide them the oh, way that true. he wanted it to be. But since he's the director, he knows what he wants to 
Yeah, I bet he did Sound it when like he got so home from the day. Bada boom, we're done. Yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> He's interesting. He's like, all right, peeps. All I'm going to say is this guy, he probably gets a nice hefty paycheck for all of these other gigs, you know, oh, theme no. parks that are built and, and different oh, merchandise. Oh, yeah, just think and, of all that stuff. And McDonald's toys that apparently say the F word. They do? Awesome. <laughs> yes, there's big uh, That's like the one thing McDonald's right has done right in a long time. <laughs> yeah, apparently there's controversy that one of the Minions toys, I mean, they're just speaking Minionese, blah, 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 but uh, there's one that <laughs> when, you, great, when you tap it, one of its phrases is, what the, you know what. So, <laughs> yeah, I, if you, it's the one where the toga, so if you head over to your local McDonald's and snag that one because oh, it's probably it. already pulled. <laughs> oh, yeah. And worth a bundle on eBay. I'm going to be like, oh, 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 can I get the vulgar minion with my happy meal? Oh, it's great. Introduce kids <laughs> to the real world. It's rude and Totally rude. kidding on that. It's kind of scandalous. But but is he really saying the F word or do people just think that is it is it a take off your clothes people with Aladdin think, kind I of mean, thing? Yeah, yeah. People think just because it has the same inflection. Um, but an official statement from McDonald's, and I'm not quoting, I'm just paraphrasing, basically said that they are speaking their own made up language. And we are sorry that, you know, it has been in, inferred to sound like a cuss word. That is not what he is saying. Maybe you should clean up your dirty old minds. <laughs> I wish you didn't have the devil's red hair. But anyway, uh, yeah. All right. All right. So I, I am officially fascinated with Minionese, and I, I want to learn more about the, the director slash uh, voice uh, talent for the Minions because it's it's got to be really interesting. Do they? I wonder if they crank up the pitch uh, in post or if he does that by himself. Like, I don't know. Does he, like, inhale a lot of helium for this? But I mean, that's probably obvious, but... Let's talk about something I do know a lot about, and that's the actual animation itself. I was really impressed by it. I thought that, uh, actually, ever since Despicable Me Uno, I've really dug, like, Illumination Entertainment's quality of animation. And there's three main reasons why I believe their animation is is, is really high quality. Um, one of them is the Minion Crowd animation. It's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Like they've really figured out how to make like 800 plus minions um, seem exciting when they're in a crowd. Like uh, the minions are very unified in their in what they want, but there's so much individualism if you like look around. Like in every crowd shot, you can always pick out like a few minions that are just like doing whatever because they're like they're the dumb ones or they're being distracted or like whatever. And there's always some sort of little tiny joke or like visual gag to pick up on. Do you guys ever get the PSA where, um, before you go see a movie, where the little minion guy is trying to watch a, a minion's movie, and he, uh, maybe it's just a Cinemark thing, but he tries to watch it on his phone, then he tries to watch it on his tablet, and everything keeps breaking and stuff, and finally he um, he gets injured, and he's in a body cast, and he goes to the theater instead, because that's like the best place to see a movie. And so there's a whole crowd of minions in this like PSA, um, or whatever, um, and they're all watching the movie screen. They're all laughing and stuff. But in the corner, there's like this one tall minion who's like totally unimpressed with everything. And he's just got this like scowl on his face. And he's just looking at everyone like you're all idiots. And that's what I really like about the minions is the amount of variety in these amazing crowd shots. And uh, I, can't, I can't even imagine like how much work it takes to orchestrate crowds like that where you can look off in the corner and there's a minion who's just doing something completely randoed because he's a silly little minion but it, it makes the crowd shot even even more real you know it's not like they just copied and pasted the keyframes for their run cycles and you know and and let it fly but 
I've always been really impressed with that. And it makes me want to go back and watch Despicable Me 1 and 2 to kind of pick out those tiny little jokes. Um, but also, I, I really love the animation for, like, the hero characters. Like, Scarlet Overkill and her husband um, are really entertaining to watch because uh, I guess the animators at Illumination, they've really got down, like, nuanced character animation. Like, you never see any empty space in the characters as acting. You know, there's just tiny little details that give the characters, you know, life and rhythm, like a little twitch in the corner of the mouth or um, the way their eyes dart around and and things like that. And just, uh, you know, timing for slapstick comedy is more difficult than you'd think. I've um, this over the past couple of months, I've transitioned from working animating for a, a a grad student short film that was very calm and serene and emotional to one that was more action and slapstick uh, and cartoony or- oriented. And it's harder than you think to get shots like uh, acrobatics, like characters flipping around and, and stuff and then squash and stretch. So I really have to hand it to Illumination Entertainment for really, really cool animation in general. I think the thing that I liked most about how they used and utilized the minions was which ones they focused on. Like they went in and they went into Despicable Me Too. And like, I remember a review Morgan gave of it one time where she was just like, who's this Kevin? Like he's just always talking to Kevin. Like what's up with Kevin? And I think that was, it was really smart and really cool of them to like go in and, and establish why Kevin or, you know, who individual ones were. And if there were to be a leader, it would be this Kevin. And then also Stuart and Bob. Yeah, here's the thing. I I looked online and, I mean, this is yet to be, like, fact-checked, but I think they were saying that the Kevin in this film is is a different Kevin from the ones that they mention in Despicable Me 1 and 2, which is <gasps> real. It's really confusing. What? But it makes sense if you have, like, a crowd of 800 um you know, uh, minions with really common names. Of, uh, you're probably going to get a couple of Kevins. Oh, the, the old Kevin S, Kevin B. Oh yeah, it's like elementary school all over again. But I <laughs> don't don't take that to the bank yet. But I'm pretty sure that the Kevin in this film is not the same Kevin as is in Despicable Me Two or One. Well, I do know that they at the very end of the first, or I'm sorry, at the very end of the second, you have like them auditioning for another movie. Oh right, and. The Kevin that was used, or you know, one of them, like the the characters that were used in those, were said to be Kevin, Bob, and Stuart. Their character designs were slightly different. Like for example, the eye color of I think it was Bob. He had the two different eyes. Yeah. Yeah. So like his eye color wasn't quite as distinct, and then like there are little things that they hadn't really focused on, or they hadn't really determined by that point, but. So, yeah, I mean, I guess they're kind of in there. But uh, anyway. I have an update. Update. We need update music whenever someone says something. So, Kevin in Despicable Me 2, according to despicableme.wikia.com, gotta love those wikias, is the exact same minion that's in Minions. Oh, well, there he is. So, there you go. Okay, then. This is a true prequel, isn't it? Yes. Kevin, yes, wasn't yes. Kevin the one who turned into the purple minion? I believe so. Yes. <laughs> Wait, wasn't that just He's all of He's had a hard a, life. Wasn't that just Penguins of Madagascar? Ah, never mind. Let's not go into that. <laughs> but they had cool, like, little side things. Like, you had the ukulele, which oh, yeah. was 
like a normal guitar, but it still had four strings, which I thought was cool. <laughs> and then Banana, which I read an interview with Pierre, and he said that that was kind of the moment that they thought, okay, Minions are going to take over, was when one of the Minions just came up and said, Banana, and everybody in the audience was, like, hooked on it from then. I was like, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> There's always money in the banana stand. But... <laughs> There's always money in the banana stand. <laughs> I think they did a great job differentiating these three different characters. I mean, yes, they're minions, but they all they do look differently. One is the tall one, one is the short one, and one has one eye. Um, but they did have different characteristics and personalities. Kevin was the leader. Um, Bob was the cute little shy oh, one. Oh, Bob is the little sweetheart. I loved Bob. He was my favorite minion. Stuart was really funny because he the whole time he's just kind of like, what? Oh, whatever. Okay. I'm a rock star. One thing I thought was refreshing is that they, they didn't like over-dramatize this like side character epic film with, uh, you know, infighting that needs to be resolved. Yeah, that's true. Did you ever see the Rugrats movie where Tommy, like, there's a part where Tommy almost like murders his little brother Whoa. by spilling banana baby food on him so that monkeys will kill him? That's literally part of the movie. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> there's none of that here. All the minions are very unified in what they want. It's, but at the same time, they have their own unique personalities. And in a, in a weird way, I think that's what makes the minions very appealing or very relatable to to a broader audience. Is because we see ourselves or other people in the minions. Like, yeah, sometimes I'm a little like Bob, you know, not very bright, but I've got a great heart or... Sometimes I have to take charge like Kevin. I don't know. This could just be a Mason theory, but uh, I think there's something in there on, on how they're unified. They, they, they're they almost like cells in one organism, <laughs> but they all have different purposes. Yeah, I don't know. There you go. Might be, might be worth thinking on, stewing over. Of course. So now at this point, they've discovered that they they need to go and find their, you know, a true new boss. The baddest and, of the bad. Like, I... I felt like the very uh, the exposition was kind of long, and it kind of drew out a little bit too long. Like when they went into the store, it was cute and all, but I was like, "Do we really need this?" I don't know. But that's when they see the commercial about, of course, Villain Con, and um, yeah, we need to go to that. Woo, Villain Con! <laughs> and on the way there, they find the crazy burglar family, which. I loved mean, them. Gotta love them. They were, they were my favorite parts of this film. They were so wacky, so goofy, so over the top. Very, very enjoyable. I mean, I want a spinoff movie about them. Crazy burglar family? <laughs> it's just, yeah, you think that they're, you know, just this normal, happy family that's just naive enough to pick up some minions as hitchhikers. And, oh, cool, where are you going? Um, but then they just totally do a 180 on you, and they put on the mask. Stretch your legs go, a bit. They go rob a bank. <laughs> Yeah. It's amazing. And you know what I loved about this movie? It was so over the top. Like, it knew that, okay, this is a movie about bad guys. Like, so we're just going to play off bad guys and everything that bad guys do and not cast judgment. We're just going to make it, uh, you know, portray it, and it's going to be funny. They are what they are. So so I was at a physical therapy appointment, and a bunch of people were talking about how they saw Minions, and I just kind of stayed quiet. I just wanted to hear, like, how their discussion would go, you know, them, the people. And it was just funny because they they were saying, like, oh, yeah, me and my 21-year-old son saw it. Like, I can't believe that, like, two old guys went and saw this movie. And that was just, like, slapping my head, like, oh, another 
animation is for kids, stereotype, okay, where else is this going to go? A regular Philistine. And then another person <laughs> was saying, like, oh, I was just, you know, I wasn't sure if I, this movie should be for my kids. I wanted to almost take them out. You know, when that family at the very beginning robs the bank, I, I didn't oh, know what to brother. do. I was like, oh, come on, your kids are fine. <laughs> Come on. So that was my discussion at the physical therapy office. And <laughs> I, at that point, I didn't even want to, like, chime in and be like, I have an animation website. I love animated films. And just like, I know this is Hi, too hilarious. I'm, I'm just going to sit here and be quiet. <laughs> you know, oh, I um, I like the little, of course, this is in the 1960s. I, I like the little joke about um, Orlando being this, like, bleak, deserted swampland before a certain tycoon <laughs> built a certain ty- a certain tycoon built a certain theme park in Bay Lake and, uh, and everything blew up from there. Of course, I'm talking about the Dolly Parton experience, but... <gasps> I'm going to Dollywood! <laughs> uh, well, it's, it's not Dollywood, because um, that's in a different state, but there's a Dolly Parton show in, in, in Orlando. Oh, is there really? <laughs> or do I have it totally twisted? Yeah, yeah, I just remember what, that was like the one thing, other thing I remember, which I did not go to, but the one thing I remember from my Orlando trip when I was like in high school, but yeah, Villain Con! I love all the uh, diverse villains and also fans of villains, just like normal people who probably lead normal lives, except that they're really, they have this like fandom for evil <laughs> it, it, it works you know a total uh, <laughs> a, a total convention for evil doers you know it's funny that they all get along because most villains i guess in real life would probably see villains as uh you know the enemy or competition and maybe that's true but i like how they just played it up that there's this whole subculture you know that we don't even know about and it's just villains who are idolizing um and starstruck by other villains and they're going to this convention to get better weapons and to be better at their craft and just well, it, it's whole- like it's like actual conventions that we have it, it brings people together with common interests in, oh, yeah. in theory and until uh, you know uh, someone's fandom gets gets way too unruly in the line, and then they have to shut down Markiplier, which really sucked, by the way. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, so they're all united in how much they love villainry. And I think it works. It's kind of funny. Yeah, anyone oh, who has so been fun. to a convention, whether it's Comic-Con or any other sort of sub-con ever you are into, you know, Anime-Con or whatever, CinemaCon, oh, you get it. Con. If you have been to one, even for like a work convention where like, you know, the the NAB, the National Association of Broadcasters Convention, I mean, <laughs> that was pretty like, awesome. As boring Steel as that Engineers be, Anonymous. <laughs> you understand the culture between these cons. And so I thought that was just, you know, very brilliant of them to, to do that, especially since cons nowadays, especially over the past, you know, decade have become very prolific and there's a con for nearly everything now uh even in the 60s there were you know conventions but uh i think even it's it's even more relatable now just because rotorama there's there's cons for everything (laughs) rotocon rotocon the place where everyone loves us (laughs) (laughs) we're not narcissistic at all but uh yeah so 300 bucks a ticket by the way no (laughs) student level but yeah um Scarlet Overkill, what do y'all think? She has rocket-powered dresses. You know, she was kind of a downer for me. Like She was awesome, but at the same time, I don't feel that she was as bad as she was made out to be. Well, you got to give her some slack. Sandra Bullock, this is her, uh, Sandra Bullock's first time as a villain. Well, no. Yes, it was her first time <laughs> as a villain, but um, I think this was a great role for her. I liked her voice acting, but I just felt that, okay, she was labeled as this the biggest villain of all time the baddest and she was just supposed to be all of these things and but like what did she even do 
the didn't film. really see that from her. We saw all the spoils, you know, all of her. We'd seen all the things that she has plundered from other people, but I just didn't see her really being that you know, amazing of a villain. And I thought she was eventually going to get to that point. She kind of turned around, but then she was almost so comical. And we talked about, you know, humor in animated films, but she went almost on the comical villain side rather than like the nefarious villain that she kind of lost her edge for me, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think one of her main functions was that she could have been the guru for the minions. She could have she could have been the perfect um, the perfect villain for them to serve, you know? And it, she even, there's parts of her that are really similar to Gru in, in that she kind of has the same nose, you know, that kind of hawk nose, hawk beak nose. Uh, she's got awesome gadgets, uh, a very eccentric vehicle design, much like Gru, you know, but the main, you know, of course, thematic difference is that she doesn't end up appreciating the minions like Gru does. And I remember watching the first uh, Despicable Me film and remembering, um, you know, admiring how Gru sees his minions as, like, valuable team members, you know. We stole the giant Jumbotron. We stole, we almost stole the pyramids. And we're going to steal the moon, you know, and all that stuff. And um, he knows them all by name and stuff like that. But um, Scarlet looks like, uh, appears to be, you know, so sweet and nice to them. And then she reveals her evil side, her evil, evil side that she doesn't even consider the minions worth it. Yeah, she turned on them rather quickly, which I guess did show that her, you know, she was evil this whole time. It was never about them. She was never actually looking for, um, you know, a, a henchman, which I think is funny. She had this big keynote at the very beginning. And to me, it wasn't that great. Like, you know, usually keynotes are you're imparting wisdom on other people, but she was just there talking about herself. And I thought it was a lame way to introduce her um, because it just, it didn't seem really fluid or natural to me. But anyways, you know, she, she says, oh, well, you know, whoever steals this jewel from my hand will be my new henchman. And I don't think she, I think she was so confident in herself. She didn't think anyone would actually do it. She was just going to go back to being solo with her husband, but uh, they did. Well, one thing I saw some of the um, premiere for the, for the minions and Sandra Bullock, she loves the minions and she's just like, it's been one of my biggest dreams. And she had even minion shoes that like stiletto shoes. I was like, those are freaking awesome. <laughs> so shout out to Sandra for the part at this, at the full uh, premiere. Yay. Good for her. Well, and the thing is, I love Scarlett's house. I think the house is probably her biggest thing. Um, it reminded me of Scrooge McDuck's money bin. Like the moment you walk in and you could almost swim through everything that's going on. What did y'all think about the music? Uh, you know, I thought it was okay. I mean, the you know, we didn't talk say, but this film is set in 1968 America and England. And that sets you up for a wonderful soundtrack. And I, I did mm-hmm. notice the soundtrack, but I didn't go thinking, oh, I got to own the soundtrack. You know, with Guardians of the Galaxy, that was the soundtrack that I went and purchased because I yeah. loved it so ooga much. It was just so, ooga, it was so ooga, iconic. Ooga, chaka, um, I felt like this this one I just sort of had the staples thing. that you needed, right? Mm-hmm. But it wasn't anything it, they out were, of this They ordinary. weren't totally tired out tracks mm-hmm. like for yeah. a six they could have done a they could have gone in such a cliche direction with you know the 1960s but they had some good stuff yeah i mean they had obviously the the thing that caught me off guard was when they brought in hair and it's a musical that's in the 60s and it was like everybody it was very irreverent is and that the one with the bodyguards or the the yeah the bodyguards Buckingham palace guards 
Uh-huh. And then they, like, throw off their hair. Yeah. Give me that beautiful hair. Long, beautiful hair. Shiny, gleaming, streaming, flaxing, waxing. And then, Catchy. um, I know, right? And then they also did a song from just singing in the rain, which I was like, you know what? I can, I can totally support you. As long as it was not those. that song from singing in the rain titled singing in the rain, then I'm fine with it. <laughs> no, it wasn't, but it was, it was good. And I, I approve. Um, but they also had some really other cool ones. So we had happy together. Yeah. yeah that's a pretty good one. Um, what else did we have? Uh, you really got me. That's the Ray Davies version. I, I think the uh, Van Halen did it better, but that was uh, after 1968, so that's fair. Mm-hmm. There that's was fair. The, the Revolution Song by John Lennon and Paul McCartney. Uh, I recognize Mellow Yellow during the credits. Of course. Classic. Mellow Yellow. I, I feel they needed <laughs> Big Yellow Joint. The Big Yellow Joint. Meet me <laughs> at the Big Yellow Joint. Hey, you know what's a <laughs> yellow 60s song that they didn't do was uh, Yellow Submarine. Was that oh, after? Oh, oh. Was Yellow Submarine? I know nothing about the Beatles. Was that after 1968? I don't remember. They even had the Beatles in it. They did. They did. They even did a cameo. That would have been perfect. There were so many, like, 60s cliches that they did in this film that sort of, like, people laughed. And my mom was in the theater, and she was, like, with the uh, Abbey Road sequence. She was like, oh, that is so awesome. And I'm, and I was like, no, it wasn't. Like, no, it wasn't. It's the most cliche thing they could have done with Abbey Road. <laughs> But her yeah, anyway. her reaction was awesome. <laughs> well, all right. Hey, all right, what'd, you, so what'd y'all think of Herb? I loved Herb. We talked a little bit earlier about John Hamm and his performance, but so versatile. Yeah, I was very impressed. excellent performance. John Hamm's pretty talented. What were some of your favorite weapons that he came up with? I think the hat took it for me, the hypno hat. The Rastafarian <laughs> hypno hat, yeah. That yeah, was, was cool. just this big squishy thing. <laughs> the lava gun. It shoots real lava. <laughs> And then the mechanical appendages. I thought those oh, were Bob pretty Oh, Bob was awesome. cute when he was sailing around in that. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then uh, we get we get sinister gadgets in the uh, the the dungeon. Those aren't sin- those aren't particularly gadgets. Those are like they're gadgets of may of they're old pain. fashioned gadgets, right? Gadgets Straight up, butcher. go go gadget guillotine. <laughs> <laughs> it's a one hit KO. But anyway. <laughs> what did y'all think about oh. that scene? We all saw it coming because it, pre- it was in the previews. Yeah. You know, I didn't see very many previews for this, but um, it, I thought this was the most violent scene of the entire thing. I'm mean, like, they've got them on the racks and everything. I'm like, holy crap. No, no, the, the hanging part was what made me uncomfortable. But, uh, I mean, I was a little uncomfortable about it, as, as anyone should be when watching depictions of torture, you know. Ladies, right. if you're on a date with, with a guy and he's laughing during this scene or, like, really interested in it, then, uh, you know, steer clear from some turn away. <laughs> you know, but it quickly became apparent that it was going to be fun and lighthearted. Like, it wasn't going to be... See, I don't know. I never thought that the torture, even before it, you know, t- turned and became funny, I never thought that there were any they were in any real danger. You know, they were minions. Yeah. I wasn't, um, like, covering the eyes of the child I never looked at the scene, I was like, oh, that dungeon scene was horrible. I can't believe you showed that to children. Or me. Yep. No. <laughs> or me. I'm offended. Or me. <laughs> it's a scary tree. I'm afraid. But anyway. Um, yeah, I, I really didn't. Th- I, I thought the funny part was that Herb was, like, 
By the way, it was me the whole time. Oh, I don't even know a guy. I don't even know a guy named Blurb. <laughs> he, uh, John Hamm sounded way younger. Like he 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 seemed like he fit the character, but it didn't seem like the character fit was a fit for the voice actor. You know how how they do that sometimes in animation. No, explain. Well, how they uh, the movie bills, you know, the top billed actor. You know, we're gonna have this celebrity doing the voice acting, and so they kind of. Model the whole character so that it revolves around the voice actor rather than the voice actor uh, finding the character and then portraying it. Can you see the difference there? And especially with celebrity voice actors. You know, to yes. the point where, like, a character <laughs> even looks like the voice actor. I can't, yeah, so, I can't yeah. think yes. of anything off the top of my head. But anyway, John Hamm was great. Can we talk about okay. King Bob and the Sword and the Stone? Yes. yes. <laughs> what a, what a there quick is not and easy an way. There's actual Sword in the Stone, but then again, there aren't actual minions. Well, there's one in, in Orlando. There's one in Anaheim, too. Oh, which one's the real one? There's also one in Hong Kong Disneyland. Oh! You know, I, I read an article by our friends at Animation Fascination, Jessica, and she let, she had a great point. She was like, shouldn't that have been a bigger issue? I mean, it was King Arthur's sword it was the sword in the stone and they just brushed over it and, and used it as a quick plot device and you know they weren't trying to be that's anything exactly what it was a plot de- a quick plot device to get from point a to point b how yeah. do they get the crown in the most goofy way possible and they were so stupid you think yay everyone loves the minions because they pulled the sword out of the stone this is amazing and they are so manipulated and that that's the thing they are so loyal to their the people that they serve and their their masters that of course they were going uh, Scarlet of course they were going to give her you know the crown and that's all she ever wanted because even though she's this amazing baddie she she still you know grew up being this princess and never actually had that real crown to put on her head yeah but she goes crazy once she gets the crown oh yeah she gets a little power hungry so then that's when it starts all wrapping up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we got Giant Kevin. I did not like Giant Kevin. I thought that not? was sort of like the one thing that just took me out of it. I was like, really? We had to turn him giant? Yeah, I really lost interest in that last fight scene, uh, especially when he turned giant. Oh, well, all right. I don't know. I this, like- whole, this whole ending sequence of how they, you know, beat Scarlet just didn't really do it for me. Oh, they didn't just beat her once. She came back from the dead like more times than Hayao Miyazaki has come <laughs> back from retirement. <laughs> And I, I guess the writers were like, oh, we can't kill her off in an explosion like that. Hey, make her come back, and then she'll get, like, frozen instead. Maybe even open up for Despicable Me 3, you know? Even- and that's exactly what they do. Personally, I would rather get blown up than suffer from frostbite. You know, I don't know why me. they had to do it in, in that sort of way, because they killed all their other masters in very gruesome ways. Didn't right. care. <laughs> Cannon to the face. <laughs> well, that's well, the I French. Guess they, they- I'm just kidding. <laughs> Well, that is the French. Um, well, I guess they have to make sure that somebody stops dying. They have to, to break the cycle. They have to break the cycle before they get to Gru so that he, we know that he has some hope. And he's Maybe not gonna Gru get is just able to contain them well enough to, because he sees their flaws. Maybe. He yeah. did. A, Plus he, he loves his freeze ray gun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the beginning of Despicable Me 1, he like freezes half the town. Yeah, exactly. All in a day's work. Oh, also, um. <laughs> I didn't. I totally didn't catch this, but uh, Doctor Nefario was at Villain Con. Ah, uh, nice. I like Doctor Nefario, except for the fart gun. But anyway, <laughs> oh, I also like. There's this tiny little moment where they're trying to steal the crown, and like that old dude is that old blind dude is up there. I don't yeah. know why, but he was just so random and funny. It's great times. 
So I have, I have one last thing to talk about, and this is a kind of a big plot point, but the minions go from master to master, you know, in search of the biggest, baddest villain to serve. And that was clearly established in this film. You know, one, one master was gone, they went to the other one. So when Gru turns up in Despicable Me, and then he turns out to be good, why do they stick with him? Because they just, maybe they stick with a master until he dies? <laughs> Even if he turns the right way? Well, if you want to get down to technicalities, he did defeat the better villain. He did defeat Vector, so that makes him the most powerful villain. But he also he also turned good at the end, so hmm, that's interesting. I don't know. You got me. That's a good point. All right, so then it uh, wraps up. They meet Gru. Bada bing, bada boom. Banana. Papagena. And it all ends promoting Universal theme parks, Minion Mayhem. Yes. Oh, yeah. Tell me more about that. I don't know that much about that. I have never been to it. How much mayhem will there be? I don't know. So if you have been to this, I want you to send us a voicemail and tell us what you thought. Let us know how Minion Mayhem went. Well, you know what would be cool is if they had like a Minionese app where you speak into it and it plays it back in Minionese. This would be cool. Also, person, go out and create that app and send it to us. <laughs> We're like Scarlet Overkill. We get people to do those things for us. They're called husbands. <laughs> okay, so moving on, I asked a listener Twitter question, and I don't know, maybe not enough people have seen this movie. You know, the, the numbers don't say that, but I asked, what would you rate Minions and why? And we had one response, Jessica Angus, 6 out of 10. It had its moments and was better than I expected, but I feel they missed the chance to give the characters more substance. Yeah, that's fair. Absolutely. So going with into that, what would you guys rate this film? So for me, I'm, I definitely give this three stars. I guess three stars for each three stooge. It, it was really good. It doesn't, <laughs> it, it wasn't like a blow your mind deep and it's not something that you should really go into it thinking about that. And it is kind of more geared toward the child. And I'm sure if I had watched this one, I was six or seven, I would have been like, minions are awesome. I don't know. It needed more to really make me love this film but all in all it was it was good all right all right all right so uh, official mason rating is a uh, 3.5 stars let's just say that three and a half stars this is how you do your animated cash cow i'm mean, not gonna lie it's the cash cow it's got a huge market presence it, and it expanded on the minions idea without getting like weird or overly dramatic like we discussed and uh also i'll say it again the animation was awesome and the uh, the production techniques, like the surfacing, the rendering effects, and layout, I noticed the camera layout uh, and camera direction was quite an improvement from Despicable Me 1. And, uh, you know, for me, it was one of the most original takes on your, like, typical side character epic film. And so uh, my conclusion is that Illumination and Entertainment is pretty good at this and uh, for giving us something that's unexpected, you know, for the most part. And so, yeah, three, three and a half stars. All right, I am going to give it also three and a half stars. I went into this movie with very low expectations. I remember when hearing about this film thinking, oh, like a whole movie full of minions? I don't know. I, I didn't really like the minions so much in the first film, you know, I, not as much as other people. So I went in with low expectations, and I was pleasantly surprised. I thought they did a great job breaking up the minions from this collective unit, this sea of, of yellow, and just focusing on the minions. And that gave us, it made it very digestible. It made it easy to relate to the three minions versus the whole system society of minions and you know i i liked scarlet overkill i thought she could have been done better the overall plot i i enjoyed where it went it it definitely 
slowed down at the end. I thought the climax could have been done better. But, you know, I laughed. I had a great time. And I was pleasantly surprised. So I'm going to give it three and a half. The judgment is decided. And we have one voicemail from our friend Ryan P. Become a patron and you too can have the power of the thunder tube in the palm of your hands. Hello, Rotoscopers. Ryan Prieto here with my review for Minions. Went into the theater, very low expectations. And that being said, my expectations were completely superseded and I was entertained. I did not think the quality, the cinematography, and the direction of this film was going to be up to this caliber. You know, entertain, illumination entertainment did not offer me up the, the most entertaining movies for me in the past. But this one achieved just that, and it speaks to the pos- possible potential of future films. I mean, if this should be just a benchmark to say, be, be excited for what's going to come. I think like DreamWorks, they just need to find their How to Train Your Dragon or Kung Fu Panda, and they will be one of those top uh, animation companies, and I am excited just for that. Also, that being said, this is a great film. It is probably one of the best Sandra Bullock films since, uh, you know, The Blind Side or or Miss Congeniality 2. That was a joke. I like the film. I will give it a very hearty three out of five stars. All right. Thank you, Ryan. I love hearing your thoughts about Minion. Three out of five stars. It looks like we are all in the same ballpark for this one. Woohoo. Yeah. So it, this is interesting what he said. Uh, I wonder... I wonder when Illumination Entertainment will find their How to Train Your Dragon, you know, or their Kung Fu Panda. I feel like they have. I feel like this is it. Well, Despicable yeah. Me had a lot of heart. Yeah. And, uh, gosh, we need to review that one. But, you know, hopefully they have something even better planned in the future. Uh, aren't they working on Secret Life of Pets? Yes, they are. That one looked Which kind of funny. It I was like a very, too. It was like a very honest look at pets. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people are down on the trailer, but I'm pleasantly surprised. I, I'm going to enjoy that one, I hope. Yeah, that was really cute. I don't know. I'm I'm just going to sit here and wait for my master to come home all day. <laughs> all right, I'll leave you to it. Oh, I I love the bulldog who's sitting on the he puts the cushion up on the up on the chair, gets up on it, and he's happy and then he's like hoo, hoo, and he like runs over, barks at the bird and then he gets back on and he's totally content with doing the same thing over and over <laughs> yes. all day. It's so true. It's going to be a really honest look at at Liza Pets. for joining us for this episode of the Animation Addicts podcast. As always, find show notes and any links that I've talked about, any interviews, even the Secret Life of Pets trailer that Mason talked about, go to rosecopers.com slash 99. Woo! 99. We are on our 99th episode. It is done. It is in the bag. And our next episode will be our grand, you know, spectacular, our 100th episode. And we are so excited. We are going to be together for the first time ever 
and we are going to be doing some sort of show. We're not sure what we want to do. If we want to do, you know, like not necessarily a best moments or just if we want to. Oh, talk I was about thinking. Uh, I was thinking the musical episode that we've been talking about, where we sing everything. <laughs> oh, yes, that requires a song lot and of... dance episode. Oh, we got to make you. costumes. <laughs> but what I want from you guys is for our 100th episode, we want to hear from you. So send in your voicemails telling us what the show has meant to you, maybe a favorite scene or, or moment or, you know, just anything, your thoughts about the show to celebrate 100 episodes and 100 more. Um, also, you can support the show by going to Amazon, rotoscopers.com slash Amazon. You can also, if you like listening to audiobooks, you can go check out a few of those there at rotoscopers.com slash audible. And of course, rotoscopers.com slash Patreon. And that is the way that you can join our super secret exclusive Rotonation. Uh, it's actually so a ton, secret. It's a ton of fun. There's a lot of fun things that we're doing. The community that's forming is just a great, and I love interacting with everyone there. Yay. Shout out to the patrons. Um, so yeah, definitely, you know, our next milestone, we just hit our 250 milestone. We mentioned we will be doing live shows in the near future once we figure out our technical difficulties. But after that, when we reach 500, which is double where we're at now, so who knows how long that will take, but we will actually start on our off weeks. We will be releasing a weekly news show or a bi-weekly news show. So you'll get animation addicts one week and then the news show the next week. Cause remember we used to do news and it was so awesome, but just really dated the episodes. Well, this will give you an opportunity to hear all of us talking about that week's news in this week in animation. It's going to be great. I'm really excited. So thank you so much for your support. As always, it's completely optional. Uh, it, the podcast will always be free. So thanks for the support that you guys have always done for us. Absolutely. Um, oh, really quickly. We have, um, we've always been reading our five star reviews in iTunes. And something that's really kind of annoying about iTunes is that it doesn't show us the reviews that people do in other countries. So we only have been reading the US based reviews. And so I went back and I pulled the larger markets, Australia, India, UK, Canada, and went to see what five star re reviews we've had over the past few months. So I just wanted to give a quick shout out to Chris K. Rovers, who says, fun, insightful podcast. Lubot, he says, awesome. Lubot. Riddy Depoo, <laughs> Jess B, and uh, RNB Bergava. So thank you so much for leaving those five-star reviews. It means so much to us. You guys are the best. That is one way that other people can see the show. The more five-star reviews and reviews that we have, the more that you rate it in iTunes, you know, the more other animation addicts just like you can get in on the action. So as always, you can find me, Morgan Stradling, on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. I'm at Morgan Stradling on all those things. You can find Chelsea Robson at her website, ChelseaRobson.com, at, at Chelsea Robson on Twitter. And, of course, you can find the good old Mason on Twitter, MasonSMTX. All right. So, guys, until our 100th episode. Woo, I can't believe this is happening. This is really exciting, and I'm really excited to see Mason and Chelsea in person. And we're just going to do a ton of stuff while we're in well, Arizona. Oh, yeah. We're I mean, it's been, it's been like six years since I've seen Morgan uh, just mm -hmm. about, and I've never met Chelsea in re I IRL. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be nervous. Oh, first first gonna, impressions. We are going to vlog, so stay tuned. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, rotoscopers.com slash YouTube, because we will be putting tons of cool videos that also we will be periscope. doing. And yes, we will be periscoping, so follow us on all those fancy things. All right, until next time, everybody. We, we are, are the Rotoscopers. Well, this isn't a type of movie that, like, promotes uh, philosophical discussion. I would love to see us try, though. <laughs> Kevin was led by the spirit, not knowing beforehand what he should do. <laughs>
Chelsea, you are recording? Estoy grabando. Chelsea. What? We only speak Spanish here. We should have international day, and, and <laughs> Chelsea only speaks Portuguese, and I speak Spanish. Morgan speaks whatever they speak in Arizona, and... I also speak Spanish. <laughs> uh, yeah. But the Argentine is not acknowledging that fact. <laughs> Wait, where'd my tab go? Hold on. I think I just closed it on accident. Oh, I put it back here. Ah, I forgot. I put it away. And as a result, it's just that kept deviating further and further over time. And as I keep saying as a result, as a result, as a result, as a result. All I can say is just wait for the CG remake of Watership Down. Oh, no. <laughs> say goodbye to your precious, funny, comedic animated films. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, the the director of this, how do you say that? It's Koifon. Koifon? Or Kufun. Kufun. Hey, that's Kufun. their own fault for spelling it all weird. I'm just just kidding, international listeners. Kufun? Yeah. Kufun? Kufun. Kufun. Okay. Like when you tell Elvis if, if he's all right and he's like, I'm fine. Kufun. Yes. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I'm fine, honey. Yeah, I was just well, using it as a blanket rationalization. There are obviously yeah. films that. Well, just Chelsea, it's an edit interesting... it so I sound smart. <laughs> Chelsea, edit it so that I sound smart. Morgan so needs a lot of help now. in that department. I'm just kidding. Just wait till our live, till we go live, Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> Why are we going live?